And hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. With me, I have Christopher Minori here with me. He just wrote a, a new, brand new book for kids, believe it or not. And, you know, it's actually the Penny Dreadful books. And I, I'm just going to say, I'm very intriguing. I read a couple of pages myself. It's really good. I definitely recommend that you pick it up on Amazon. You can find the show notes and everything below on where you can pick that up at. So with further ado, let's get on with the interview. I'm excited to have Christopher here promoting his book. So let's do it. And hey, Chris, how are you? Hello, hello. Good to be back. Thank you so much. It's great to have you back here, man. It's, it's a privilege to have you, as always. And over the years, we've been very close friends, and I, I couldn't ask for a better friend and everything for you to be able to be oh, doing this interview. Oh, you're sweet. And isn't this guy this handsome guy on here? I mean, come on. You, you have Christian <laughs> Minori here. <laughs> and with this Johnny Depp-like hairstyle. On Secret Window. <laughs> but anyways, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about your book, man. I just want to say, I ended up uh, reading a couple of pages myself. My uh, my favorite mm -hmm. part is where uh, Penny is going through the different rooms of the house. Mm -hmm. And she's sliding yeah. down the banister, which I did as a kid, and fell off the banister because I'm clumsy. Uh, but right. yeah, I, I really love that innocence of a child going through rooms and using their imagination throughout the whole entire mansion of this house. But yeah, I definitely liked it. Yeah, oh, wow, that uh, you know, that's awesome. That's huge praise coming from you because I know how jaded you are. Like, yeah, you didn't you know, even like. I always flash. have to talk about myself. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you know, um, uh, Penny. I uh, Penny's thirteen years old, right? She lives. Uh, her parents run away, and so she lives. Uh, she winds up living with her grandmother. Uh, who, uh, Granny Brasso, who has a, her, I think her left hand is encased in, in uh, brass. And um, she lives in, in her grandmother's house, which is full, just hundreds and hundreds of rooms. And, uh, but all the rooms on one floor, on the third floor are locked. And as she starts getting more interested in it and messing around and finally gets into one, realizes that these, the, all of the rooms on the third floor, they're portals through time. And so, yeah, I, I love that idea. When I was, um, when I, when I was a kid, my grandmother's house in uh, Brooklyn, uh, it just seemed gigantic to me, you know, huge. And they had like three, four, five floors, I don't know, tons. And just, and if you've ever seen um, houses in New York, the old style houses, um, yeah. They're, they're like, you'll go to one floor and there's like half a door there. And then you'll go to another one and there's two and a half Duplex. floors. And it's just bizarre the way they're set up. And that's how I imagined uh, Penny's Penny's house being. And and of course, I'm a, a, a huge Doctor Who fan. And Doctor Who introduced me and got me into this obsession with time travel. And the Doctor features quite a bit in, in this book. And... Um, I just, I always wanted to write a uh, time travel book. And so I'm so excited that I got to do one and something that more than just kind of my usual fans can, can read. Now, speaking of your usual fans and everything, I know that you're an adult author. When, and I know that all of a sudden now you made the switch to doing a children's, a young adult's book. Mm -hmm. And I was just curious about where that originated from. And also, too, what was the challenges of you having to go from 
a book for adults to quickly having to try and figure out a way to really dive into the world of the young adults. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, you're right. I'm, I'm primarily an adult author. I, I, um, did very well with a play, Texas Chainsaw Musical, that, you know, uh, some theaters have sh shoot 40 gallons of blood a night during that show. And um, uh, and then, of course, I have this this big series that is about this banished demon from hell stuck on Earth. That's basically a detective series and uh, very this is extremely different from all of that stuff. Right. Because as an adult author. I don't hold back. I mean, I, you know, even when I, you know, when you interview me, when we do shows together, normally I'm cursing up a storm. I'm, I'm just saying the most outlandish about. stuff, <laughs> but um, with this one, so my, um, my, my wife uh, discovered, we won't go too much into it, but discovered that she had a family she was unaware of uh, after a DNA test. And um, uh, one of the great things we got out of that new family was her awesome brother, Joe, and uh, sister-in-law, Andrea, and their two amazing nieces, uh, Tessa and Talia, um, who I actually, I, I, I dedicate this book to. And um, they were, I think when we met them, they were 10 or 11, and huge readers. I mean, just big, big readers. And so they found out I was an author and they were like, oh, Uncle Chris, we want to read your stuff. We want to read your stuff. And I'm like, absolutely not. No, <laughs> you cannot read a single word I have laid down in print. And um, so I wrote this book because I wanted to write something that they could read. Right. And that's that's honestly that where it, I had. Uh, the idea for Penny Dreadful came around, um, gosh, almost 15 years ago, but it was much darker and it was an adult spoof on children's stories, right? And it was about this girl who traveled through time and lived in this house and she was a young girl and she traveled through time, but she caused all these horrible things, right? Like she she uh, uh, caused Lincoln to die accidentally, right? By getting shot in the theater, right? The, I think John Wilkes Booth was going to kill someone else and she nudges him and he winds up killing Lincoln instead, you know, and stuff like that. It was just, it was horrible stuff, <laughs> usual stuff. Right. But then um, uh, when, when I met them and they wanted to read something that I had done, um, I went back to that kind of concept and I thought, okay, I could do this, but I got to make it a little more positive. I've got to, um, not do you say, you know, what's different about it? Well, I couldn't curse, right? I, 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 I obviously I couldn't do that. Um, I couldn't, I didn't want to shy away from things like violence, right? Because every, especially these days, kids deal with violence. Violence is in all the time, the school shootings and all that shit. It's there. And to hold back from that in a children's book for someone who's like a, a tween, right, is, I think it's it's cheating, you know. I think it's talking down to them, and I didn't want to talk down to them. So, but learning to do violence, and when I do it in my adult books, I just unabashed, right? I mean, I write insane stuff and huge amounts of gore, and so 
there's a whole battle that goes on. In fact, Penny winds up going through three or four different wars throughout history. And I didn't want to shy away from the violence, but at the same time, you can't be so dark about it, right? You can't be very gore and everything. You have to put the themes in, you know, like I had to talk about how horrible war is and how it affects people and how it, it people die, right? But <coughs> I still had to <coughs> hold back. And so it's, um, I now that, that Penny's out, I'm, I'm writing a, a new book um, back in my uh, Banished Demon series. And it, it's just such a huge difference. Like to be able, <laughs> it's, it's almost a breath of fresh air to be able to just go, ah. And now I know this book is so over the top with violence and sex and all this you know, cursing, and it's just, right. like, I, I feel like I was like, okay, for two years, I was so good. Now I have to really make up for it, right? It's like you were locked in a cage while uh, writing exactly. this book, and then now all of a sudden, after the book is over with, uh, writing the book, now you're let That's out, so now it's like, okay, time to rain the mountains of hell over this book now, that over this exactly. new other book that I'm having to do. Exactly. It's, uh, it's nice, though, because... Um, uh, the, look, most of the stuff that I write is pretty niche, right? You know, you got to like comedy and you got to like horror. And a lot of people who like horror don't like comedy. A lot of people who like comedy don't like horror. Comedy is so subjective anyway. Right. Horror is pretty easy, right? There are certain things that just scare all of us. But comedy is really hard. What, what, well, with you, I mean, you're easy, right? What, what, what I makes me laugh makes you laugh too. But there's a lot of people who, will think the things that we laugh at are, are insane. And there's other right. stuff that makes them laugh that we think. It, so it's, that stuff was very niche. And here, I just think I have a huge market. Um, why a um, uh, material is, is real big. Um, and I think I've been really fortunate to write stuff. Now, my beta readers group, the, the people who have read it so far, they range from, I wrote it for like 13 to 18, but I've had people younger than that and well older than that, 50s, 60s, 70s read this book and they all get stuff out of it, right? They all love it. So I'm really hoping that this is something that can just really, even though it's it's YA stuff like Harry Potter, man, that just transcended, right? To, to, it was meant right. for kids and it, it blew up. And I'm hoping that that would be great if that's what happens with Penny, because I'd like to write, write about her again someday. To be honest with you, I can see this gravitating towards the younger audience like you're hitting, but also towards adults like us that, wa that wants something maybe not so much edgier, but maybe a little bit of a breather from the from everything else. And not taking so much of the violence because, you know, like you said, even as adults, we see violence every single day as well, stuff like mm -hmm. that. And so maybe we just need like a little bit of a break from every from the norm and just have like a little relaxation and just go on this adventure of Penny. And that's what I when I'm reading your book, I can actually picture Penny. And I'm and usually whenever I'm reading a book or something, it, I'm like, I'm not I'm like really energized. I'm really into the book in a sense, but with, with your writing style and the way that you have Penny, I'm more relaxed right. where I'm like just chilling on the couch, reading your book. I'm going on this adventure with, with Penny. And I like that laid back feeling versus mm -hmm. like a Stephen King novel where it's like, Oh my God, um, what's going to, you know what I'm saying? Where basically there's no, 
uh, slow build up or anything with yours, it's right. actually a slow build towards something. And the payoff is always phenomenal for me. Whenever mm -hmm. I read it. Wow. Thanks. Thank you. Very welcome. Yeah. Um, no. And, you know, the one thing I try to do is well, the one uh, theme through almost all of my stuff, uh, maybe not some of the short stories, but in general is comedy, right? Like at heart, I'm a comedian. Um, I, I like to make people laugh. I've always loved to make people laugh. And, um, you know, and it, this is not a, I'm not making kid jokes. I'm making adult jokes for children. You know, I liken it to like uh, Bugs Bunny, you know, Bugs Bunny, man, you watch as a kid and you think it's hilarious, but then you watch as an adult and you're like, oh my God, I didn't even realize what they were getting at there. You know, and I'd like to think that this is very similar. I think so, too. I think that people are going to gravitate towards it. And, you know, I know with some Penny Dreadful stuff, it has genre uh, praise for its visual style and atmospheric settings. How did you collaborate with uh, with anything within that, inside the writing style of the book as well? That's something else. So, um, no, I mean, like I say, really the biggest influence on this was Doctor Who. Right. And and people know. Problem. And when I say I'm a fan, I'm not a fan. I am obsessed. Right. To the point where there is more than one Doctor Who actor who has a restraining order against me. Right. Love Doctor Who. And um, I, I just love that whole idea of traveling through time and, and meeting. That was my favorite part of the show, meeting all these people through history. And so Penny gets to go and meet. um uh, you know, Lincoln, right? And Napoleon and rides on the uh, the, the Titanic and, and Blackbeard, my favorite character in the whole book, right? Meets Blackbeard. And um, so, no, I, I mean, that was really it. It was the whole idea. I had always wanted to do this time travel thing, um, but I just never knew how to do it. And everything I always thought of was too Doctor Who-ish, right? Like, oh, they jump in a phone booth or they do that or they do this. So right. the idea of a little bit too you just complex. pop in a room and you go someplace and you have no idea where you're going, right? Um, and like I said, the Doctor kind of, uh, Penny is a Doctor Who fan. And so there are a few bits where she talks about the Doctor and why he does what he does and and how he does what he does. And so it's it's a recurring theme kind of. Um, one of the chapters is even called, What Would the Doctor Do? Right? Because I, that's how I try to live my life. And I think, you know, like the doctor is such an amazing character and um, everybody should be like the doctor. This guy, he sees this horrible monster and he thinks, hey, how are you? Are you okay? You know, he's, he's nothing is ugly to him. It's just another character. It's just another species. And he takes it that way until you show him otherwise or her, depending on which season you're in. Um, and I wanted to make Penny that same character, you know, that that uh, no matter where she went, it was always about connections. You know, it was always about who who you were and and how can i help you are you in trouble how can i help you and penny's an amazing amazing kid you know what uh, there's also something else i wanted to ask you though too now is there like cause and effect with everything when she changes everything does she want to go back and try to change certain things where she accidentally messed something up 
or is so it just basically just wondering out of curiosity? Yeah, going. no, no, she does uh, want to do that, um, and she tries. However, this is a big problem with writing a book. You know, the the thing is, there were so many themes I'm trying to to do and reach out to that I couldn't be concerned with all these paradoxes she might create, right? Like all of a sudden, like, uh, she saves Lincoln, let's say, um, uh, from being assassinated. Well, how does that, how does that translate down the line to when, you know, to the 90s, right? And so I very early in set up um, a thing where time protects itself. So while she might make small changes, maybe she stops Lincoln from being assassinated by John Wilkes Booth, but then he dies in a horse trampling, right? Um, right. So I, I just, with everything I was trying to do in this book, I really didn't have the time to deal with paradoxes. Now, if this book sells really well, so anybody who wants a sequel, buy lots of copies. If this book sells really well and I wind up doing a sequel, that is really one of the things I want to start dealing with is what happens if she finds a room that allows her to change time in a majorly way, you know, and then what happened? How does she fix that? Because that's what she'd have to do at that point. I mean, you know, uh, there's that old thing, the butterfly effect, right? You step on a butterfly in the past and, and all of a sudden when you've got Trump as a uh, president, never happened, but you know, let's say hypothetically, Right, right. And, <laughs> um, so imagine if you went through, and this is the big thing people always say, right? It's the big pothead question. Um, if you could go in the past, would you kill Hitler, right? And of course, the, the thing everybody wants to say is, of course I would, of course I would, all those people I could save. But imagine if you saved all those people who were meant to have died wow, what would that turn our future into, right? I mean, that's major, major stuff. And I would love to now, you know, if I did a, 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 the great thing about Penny and time travel stories is I could have her continue to go in a book and meet a bunch of people, or I could have her go to just one time period and make a change that affects so much. And then that's the arc of the story is fixing that change, right? Um, so yeah, it's just, ah, that's, what's fascinating about time is it's just so much you can play with, you know? Definitely. And, you know, you were talking about how complex trying to explain time travel to young adults and stuff like that. I think in this book, it's so simplistic in the way that you explain it. It's perfect. It's understandable. It's at, you don't have to go back and try to reread a sentence, to understand mm -hmm. it. It's pretty much what you see is what you get. And that's something yeah. that I really like is the simplicity of the story. <laughs> it's not too wordy. It actually fits in with the narrative of what Penny is doing. And you're in, in there. She explains it. And you're in that universe now with Penny going on this adventure. Rather than mm -hmm. explaining the whole entire time travel thing. with, And she doesn't even understand it herself or anything either. So... Trying to put it into context on the page is even more, probably even more, um, not horrifying, but more complex for you to be able to explain it mm -hmm. in the way that she's looking at things. But that's what I liked about it was the simplicity of it and being able to understand your audience to the point where like, 
you know what? I'm glad it's not true, Rudy. I can figure this thing out for myself, and I'm on this adventure, and I'm ready to go. Yeah, you know, and and ultimately, um, uh, one of the things I loved that Doctor Who used to do was it was really supposed to be a children's show, you know, and it was uh, teaching people about kids, about history, right? Um, uh, Marco Polo was a big one they did um, early on with the first Doctor and and um, going to cavemen. I have my own little caveman thing going on here. And um, and that's one of the things I really hope happens here is, you know, I didn't go with, you know, I, I while I was writing this for today's 13, 14, 15-year-olds, I didn't want to write about modern characters. I wanted to do, you know, about Lincoln, right? About the, 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 the um, Titanic and these things that maybe the kids don't really know the details in. Um, I, and, and my hope is, and one of my, my, one of my beta readers, oh, she was lovely. She was, uh, I think she was 16. And in her notes to me, she'd be like, read this note. And she'd be like, I got to go look this up, you know? And she'd go, holy cow, you actually, that actually happened. And that's what I would love is if, if people read this book, um, adults, but especially kids go and look up these things, read all about the Titanic and find out that the insane stuff that I put in here, like the craziest stuff that these historical characters do is based on the truth, you know, um, good example, the Titanic. So, you know, on the Titanic, they had lots of warnings about the, the icebergs, and in fact, the radio guy was so busy. All these people were on this new giant luxury ship and they all wanted to send stuff, you know, messages to, to their loved ones, uh, you know, by telegraph um, that said things like, hey, hi, I'm on the Titanic, right? And stuff like that. And so the, the radio guy got so busy sending those that when he got the call that there are icebergs there, he literally... And I put this quote in the book. This is a direct quote told the people warning them about the icebergs, shut up. I'm busy. <laughs> right. Right. So you read the stuff that I put. And of course, I put so much silly things in my my books anyway, that I think people um, I hope they research a lot of what's in here because a lot of it really happened. Right. Um, and you see, I'm a huge history buff. Abraham Lincoln is actually one of my favorite presidents mm -hmm. and stuff like that too and i think it's also too he says he, great things about you too i, I thought so uh, so what, so what, what character am i i'm just wondering just curious i'm, I'm joking <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're like kevin smith before he started clerks three okay i like that idea that'll okay. work right <laughs> yeah that'll work put that in the sequel <laughs> he's historical i don't right. know i love kevin smith but, you know, I think it's I think that it's fun to be able to play around with the history and for kids to be able to learn on their own afterwards. I think that's a beautiful thing that you have going here where you're basically having a history lesson with Penny, but it's a little bit different because she's changing up the time. But at the same but you're also introducing them into something where they might want to research the Titanic, Abraham Lincoln, yeah. um, even, you know, even the some pirate stuff, too, and. Um, you know, I think that's fantastic to be able to have that in a book because it's rare today that you see that 
where you know it's like oh okay i need i read this in christopher minori's book or i read this in a book and i want to research this now and that's how i became obsessed with like the titanic was because my third grade teacher for example read us a story about one of the passengers on the titanic and that's whenever i became obsessed with the titanic to the point where i winded up going to when i was uh two months in boston i went to the the uh the museum for the titanic Mm. oh wow so, how was that it was fantastic i really loved it nice. i got to see everything i wanted to see but yeah that's and that's what i'm talking about how inspiring it is for you to be able to have that where kids want to go out and and basically not only support you but also support history yeah no i really hope it it you know it, it opens up um i think today's kids though i think they will i think today's kids with google you know they were raised on google right they, they've never not known google they've never not known the internet right and so um I, I think uh, they were, they're born to research those kids. And so I think they will just naturally go like that, that one beta reader I had, right. They will are just naturally born to go, go and, and look stuff up when they have any sort of question about it. And I, I, uh, that's fantastic. I wish, I wish we had that as a kid, you know? Me too. I really do. And I think that, this opens up many doors for you as well when it comes down to your writing abilities and be able to shape you into being able to do more for the for young adults. And then ha then you can actually, like you said, you can brainstorm on other ideas and just let it rip right on through another book for, yeah, for adults. Yeah. I would love to write about uh, Penning. Well, yeah. And so speaking of adults, so I'm actually working <laughs> <laughs> on my, I don't even know if I should throw the title out until I've sold a lot more penny books. <laughs> so yes, I am working on a new on a new um, detective novel with my demon and his cult called Bigger Than Jesus, um, and it's like I said, it's in the complete opposite direction right now. It's so big, so over the top. Sam, the demon, gets outsourced to heaven to have to work for God and Jesus, and it. Um, so yeah, it's 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 like I said, it's fun getting back into that world. But I, um, you know, I I think Penny easily lends itself to its own series, and uh, I would love to write about her again. She's so much fun, and she's so easy. She just talks to me. She's so easy to write and. She completely tells me what what I need to what I'm supposed to be saying and and happening. Her and you can tell that with the writing though. Buddy. To be honest with you, because the way that you have everything layered down into the pages, I'm like, this is so smooth and so smart and how it's laid out. Mm -hmm. Like, I bet Chris is just over there, just steadily just typing on his computer and just smoothly writing this thing because it is because of how smooth. It is to be able to talk about Penny and let her do the talking while you do the typing. It it's very it's very spot on. Yeah. Well, that's what I do with all my characters when I write. You know, there's two types of writers. You know, there are um, plotters who do great big outlines, and either way is wrong uh, for you want to be writers out there. There are people who just they create these giant um, uh, outlines, and they have. I know one guy. He. He has like every single chapter outlined. And by the time he goes, he's pretty much his outline is pretty much his book. Right. And then there are pantsers. And that's me, you know, somebody who 
I might have the title. I have a very brief line of what the story's about. And maybe, maybe not, I know how it ends. And then I just sit down and every chapter is a surprise to me. And it's great because as a big reader, as I am, um, I love reading my stuff. Like, I don't know what's going to happen until I've written it, you know? And, right. and that's that's true. I, I That's just how I write. I don't know what's happening um, until it happens. My characters really direct where I'm going and how they're going to change and what their arcs are and what the plot is. I have no idea until... Right. And by the time I... By the time I get about halfway to three quarters of the way through, then I, I kind of know where I'm heading at that point and and you know where it's going to end. But for most of the time, I'm just as surprised as you guys. That's awesome, though, man. That's a sign of a good writer, though, is someone that reads their own work and then like, well, maybe if I go on ahead and change up a few things here, and do a couple of rewrites here, I can actually strengthen the. Uh, the wording here i can strengthen the plot lines here and then go back and redo it and then it's even better than what you had the first time that you laid out yeah well that's i mean that's my kind of thing and um you know as long as we're talking about writing and the the process of writing so i'll just throw this out there um you know i have this youtube channel uh ct minori uh that's me and um uh as I've gotten towards the end, like once I finished actually doing all my drafts and everything and then started working on formatting and every extra thing you do to, you know, once you finish the story and have finished all the drafts and have gotten your final edit done, then you have to add extra content like the copyright page, right? And the uh, uh, dedication page and page numbering and formatting for publication and then going to KDP and actually doing the publishing stuff and uh, creating your cover. So I've actually been doing a series. Um, uh, once I got to that point with Penny Dreadful. Um, so if you're an, an author who uh, wants to self-publish and you want to know how to do, what do I do once my book's ready and now I'm ready to start self-publishing, what do I do? I have this entire series. I think it, it wound up being a, uh, seven or eight part series on each major thing you have to, to do to get it published. And it ends when I hit the publish uh, button. So okay. uh, yeah, if you're an author, definitely worth going to my, my channel and checking that out. Yeah. Going ahead. I'll have that in the show notes for his channel and everything else in below. But man, I just want to say it was an honor to be able to talk to you about uh, Penny dreadful. I love the book. Um, Thank you. I can't wait Thank to you more of what she's going to do. I'm probably going to wind up uh, reading a little bit more of it later on tonight, and I'll probably wind up aggravating you because I'm probably going to wind up writing <laughs> a long um, message to you. But That's good. Oh, I'd love it. I'd love it. Um, yeah. The only thing I'd uh, like to say is, so anybody who wants to pick up my book can pick it up. Um, probably the easiest way is to go to Amazon. It's on paperback and um, uh, Kindle. And uh, do a search for my name, Christopher Minori, and all my books will come up and uh, you'll see Penny Dreadful there. And and keep in mind, my other stuff, absolutely buy it. It's great stuff, but it is adult. It's not for a 13-year-old. Um, if, if it is, like, if you think this, my other stuff is for your 13-year-old, probably we should be calling CPS on you. That's that's my feeling. Um <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, and if you buy my book, you know, the biggest thing y'all can do for me is do a um, review for me on Amazon, please. And um, uh, the last thing I'll say is for those of you who don't like to actually read, you love fiction, but you don't like to read, um, I'm currently, uh, Penny Dreadful is being produced on um, on uh, Audible. So if you're a, an Audible person, you like audiobooks, uh, I would say probably within the next, hopefully two months, you'll be able to pick up Penny Dreadful on Audible. Fair fact. Um, I actually did a little research while you were talking about, uh, about that. It's actually right here. There it is. Thank yep. you. You're very Ooh, welcome. Look at that. Look at that cover. Oh, Penny. Oh, what? Penny is your average teenager. What? This sounds so good. I, I got to read the this. The artwork thing. is so amazing. I just want to say this. I really love the artwork for this. It has that 1970s, 80s kind of vibe to it. Mm -hmm. And has a little throwback to, um, to the old um, movies and stuff like that. That's something I really So like. I'm going to real quick, I'm going to throw out some kudos to my cover book artist, uh, Bron Johnson. Uh, he's a guy, I live in Panama. And um, uh, I, had, I had clip art that I had found that gave me the idea of kind of how I thought the cover should look. And I went and I got... Um, uh, I did some AI art on it to look and I posted all this stuff and, and people were like, Oh yeah, this is good. This is good. And then this one guy who lives in, in Panama in my city uh, and I'm, I'm good friends with his mom uh, says, uh, Hey, I got an idea and just looked at the stuff I had posted. And in two minutes came up with this concept that was very close to what the, uh, the uh, eventual cover was. And he's like, what do you think of this? And I'm like, you are, you're hired. <laughs> um, almost cursed. You're hired. This is amazing. So, Bron Johnson, man, if you're an artist, uh, you know, there's a ton of ways to get in touch with me, and you can find me. Do CT Minori across the internet. You're going to find me in one of my social media. Reach out to me, and I will hook you up with this guy, because he is a brilliant artist. I really like it. I really love the artwork with it. It has this girl looking into the door. Has this? I want to say... Basically, like a little girl playing hopscotch in a sense. Yeah. And that's the vibe I get from it. And the yeah. innocence of the child looking through the door to time travel. It has a Lion Witch in the Wardrobe kind of flavor, though, too. Is something else I want to mention. Because of the oh. fact that it's... So that's something I really like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, no, that's huge praise. Thank you. Very welcome. So, guys, that's going to be it as far as this interview goes. I hope that you guys go in and support Christopher. He's a very talented writer. Um, I definitely recommend reading some of his adult books if you're not under the age of 10, that is. But, <laughs> but if you're someone like me who read Stephen King at age 12, you know, it might be your thing. But <laughs> but anyways, Chris, it's, it's always a pleasure to have you on here. It's, yes, I, I really enjoyed your talking show. with you. Thank you. Very welcome. Just a little heads up, guys. So tomorrow night, Rossi will be with me and we'll be doing a non-spoiler review for a movie that a subscriber and fan wanted us to review. That film will be, is called Everything Will Be Fine, and that movie stars James Franco. Um, we're going to go on ahead and do a non-spoiler review for that one. And then on the 31st, we'll have Rossi back at, back over here by herself interviewing an indie rapper um, on the 31st, and it'll be 4 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time 
and it'll be at two o'clock Pacific Standard Time for that interview. So a little bit of a change of pace a little bit, but I promise you that she's going to bring on the fire like she normally does when she comes down to interviewing people. So with that being said, guys, I hope that everyone has a great and safe night, and we'll catch you back here on the next one. And don't forget to go on ahead, smash that like button, smash the subscribe button, go over to our podcast, audio-only podcast as well. Give us a five-star review. That helps us out in letting the audiences find us as well. And get yourself some merch. We have a merch store. The link's in the show, uh, show notes below. Um, but yeah, that's about everything that I'm going to be doing as far as housekeeping goes. And bye-bye.